we're not lucky, we're blessed. The most blessed pastor in America to get to preach after a choir like that every Sunday. An instrumentalist and bell ringers and my soul have mercy. I'm just blessed. Look if you would at Romans chapter 8. We're down to Romans chapter 8. And uh, we've journeyed through Romans. uh, You know, a lot of people have called Romans the constitution of the Bible. And there's only one problem with that. Our Constitution is a wonderful Constitution in America. Uh, But there's also a thing we have called the Bill of Rights. Now, people go nuts. They don't, they're brain dead. They don't realize that my rights stop where your rights take over. Everybody just wants all the rights. But when you come to the Book of Romans, it may be the Constitution, but there's no Bill of Rights in the Book of Romans. In fact, the only thing we've got going for us in the book of Romans is that we've died. We're dead. When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose again, we rose again. That's the glorious gospel. Uh, I want to just think for a few moments this morning about how Jesus can turn your hurts into hallelujahs. Boy, these are troubled times we live in. They're troubled in our government, our country, they're troubled all over this world. I think about our friends. In fact, uh, Micah is preaching this morning down at Trinity Baptist Church in Vider. This church, you played a major part in renovating that church. It had about five foot of water all the way through it. And today is their grand opening, getting things back together. Uh, And those same people that helped us from North Carolina when we had the storm, there was another storm, if you remember, right after that came into Florida. And I called this guy, and I said, look, man, I know you've committed to come here and everything, but look, it just makes more sense if you go to Florida. You're a whole lot closer from North Carolina to Florida, and, and we'll, get, we'll be all right here. There'll be others that'll come in. But you, he said, Brother Charles, we've already prayed about it. God told us to go to Texas. And so... They came to Texas. There were like 40 of them. Stayed here a little over a week. Tremendous workers. So this week, when the storm was getting ready for North Carolina, our group loaded two long tandem trailers, and we were some of the first ones to get to North Carolina to carry back to our friends what they had blessed us with. Folks, they're hurting too. I think about the people in the lands and countries that have gone through what we are known as uh, ethnic cleansing, where literally thousands of people have been put to death. I think about the friends that we have who've gone through radical cancer surgeries and different kinds of heart problems and back problems. I think about just those in this place today who are hurting There's just a special need in your heart. And I want to share with you the good news this morning that God can turn that hurt into a hallelujah. There's a heartache on every pew. Every one of us have our own problems that we're dealing with. Death, disease, confusion, pain, moaning, groaning, sickness, sighing, crying, dying. But in Romans 8, let me just read it to you, and then we'll cover more than this. But verse 11 says... 
if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And then look down, if you would, at verse 18. I love that word. You know, that's one of my favorite words, reckon. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see, folks, it's the resurrection that turns our hurts into a hallelujah. It's the resurrection that turns every tear into a hallelujah. It's the resurrection that turns every midnight into a sunrise. It's the resurrection that turns every Calvary into a victory. And Paul is talking about the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the, from the dead. And he says, if that spirit, that very same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Christ from the grave, if he dwells in you, then he says the sufferings of this world are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that we're fixing to experience. Let me give you just four things here quickly this morning. First of all is this. There's a word guilt there. Think of that word. Look, look at Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. I took the liberty to look that up in six different languages this week. And no means the same thing in every one of them. It means no. There is therefore now no condemnation. Now don't stop there because that's not the scripture. The scripture goes on to say, to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, do you understand that? If there's no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus, there is condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. And then he kind of sums it up. People say, well, how do we know? Well, he tells us how. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So what he's saying here is, if you're in Christ Jesus and you're walking after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. One of the biggest problems we have in this life is a thing called guilt. I mean, you can, my soul, that word guilt, uh, man, it, it killed. most of us in this room have a harder time forgiving ourselves than we do even other people. Now, some of you don't. Some of you have been holding grudges. You ought to be ashamed. You ought to get right with God let that stuff go. Life's too short to hold on to all that mess. But there's a word called guilt. And, 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 and in the scripture, the word flesh is there. And then the word sin is there. Condemnation, flesh, sin, death. That's a description of this world today. That's what you've got to look forward to. That's what's on the horizon if you say no to Jesus. That's what you've got to look forward to. Now, that brings up an interesting question. What about this thing called sin? Uh, there, there are many people today who are not believers, and uh, they don't have a scientific problem. They may, may want you to think they do, but they don't have a scientific problem. They're not wrestling with ideas like evolution or creation. Their problem is the problem of history. You, they say, if there is a God and God is a good God, then why, if God is good, does he let all of this suffering and all of this sin and all of this tragedy and all of this hurt continue to go on? Well, I want to tell you, God's the author of everything. When somebody tries to pin you down and say, 
you're God, he's responsible. You just say, yeah, God's the author of everything. He's the author of everything. Well, why didn't God just make us where we couldn't sin? Well, then you'd be just as dumb as that speaker right there. Some of you getting close, but I'm just telling you, if, if, if we were just made and we had no free will, we had no chance to ever say anything, then God couldn't fellowship with that. There, there's nothing there. But he has given us the free will. Love is the highest good, but forced love is a contradiction in terms. You see, when you force somebody to love you, you you're, not even, you're not even loving them. That's not even real. Well, that doesn't, uh, brings up another question. Then if God is the author of everything, why don't he just destroy evil? I mean, just wipe it out. Well, God doesn't, now listen to me, don't, don't miss this. God doesn't destroy evil. He defeats evil. See, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He didn't destroy evil. The old nature is still there. But he defeated evil. And uh, so the, 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 there's a, a guilt that we all face. And then this next word I want to look at is that grace that we experience. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned to sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit." Well, what does that mean? Well, number one, there's no condemnation for sin. That ought to make a backslidden Baptist want to shout. He said there's no condemnation. There, there's no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Uh, we, we've been to the Noah's Ark this week, and uh, I, I was thinking about the illustration there. The Bible teaches us that Noah's Ark really is an illustration it's an illustration for us over in 2 Peter. It's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what it's like to be in Christ Jesus, then you have to know what it's like for Noah to be in that ark. And I want to tell you, God said, Noah, bring your family, get everybody in here. And the Bible says, God shut the door. It'll do the same thing. It'll be the same way with your spiritual life. You think, well, I'll get saved when I want to get saved. No, you're wrong. You can't even get saved if the Holy Spirit don't draw you. You say, well, no, man, I, I can do what No, you can't get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. That's according to the Word of God. So don't think you can live any way you want to live, dance around all your life doing whatever you want to do, and suddenly you're going to wake up one morning and say, well, I think I'll follow God. It's not going to happen. Now, when they got in the ark, the Bible says God shut the door. The ark was waterproof. <laughs> How do you know it was waterproof? Now, that's one of the little things that you probably don't see in the ark up there. You just have to kind of imagine some of that. But the Bible tells, uh, God tells Noah to put pitch on the inside of that ark and put pitch on the outside of that ark. And that pitch, honestly, was made with some berries and all different things that had kind of a red tint to it. Because, you see... You got the water coming up, and you got the blood right there. And that's what the ark represents. 
If you're inside Jesus Christ, you're there by the blood of the Lamb. You're saved by the blood. That's what saves you. Uh, Water was an emblem. It's a, a, a judgment of God, the wrath of God. But I want to tell you, not one drop of water. It's not like our church bus. We, water comes in. <laughs> not one drop of water could get in that ark. You know why? Because it was sealed. And not one condemnation or sin can happen to you. You'll be in charge of because God said, I'm going to seal you to the day of redemption. Hmm. Because we're in Christ, there's no more condemnation. There's no more control. Now, verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law and death. You see, Jesus did what the law couldn't do for us. The law was like a mirror. The law had the perfections. But when you'd hold that mirror up, you'd say, oh, that's not me. Yeah, that's you. That's you. You'd say, I'm too ugly to be in that mirror. No, that's you. That's you. God love you. It is what it is. And they'd hold that law up and you'd say, well, I don't anywhere near meet this. But Jesus did what the law could not do. The law never could save you. All the law could show you is the perfection that God demands and then the reality that we are. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. <laughs> That'd be enough right there. But I'm talking, well, I'm not talking to you. Let me just talk to me. See if you fit in somewhere here. We all know we're sinners by birth. We all know we're sinners by nature because we have the Adamic nature. But I want to tell you this morning, as far as I'm concerned, I know all y'all not in this boat, but I'm a sinner by choice. There's some things I've sinned in that I sat down and deliberately chose to do. Hmm. No condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. Now, it don't give you a blanket to go out and do whatever you want to do. It gives you the freedom to do what's right to do. So there's a word guilt, and then there's that word grace. Uh, the grace that comes to us that we experience that comes only through Jesus Christ and then third thing is there are the groans the groans that we endure that's what the scripture says for I reckon verse 18 the sufferings of this present time are not worthy nor worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature and uh, uh, literally for the earnest expectation of the creations what he's talking about here so there's some groaning going on. There's groaning in creation going on. It's going on. You, 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 you're gonna, if you don't understand this, the Bible says the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The whole creation. Man, the crying and the dying and the sighing and the foul breath of decay. And, but there's a better time coming. There's a time in all of heaven when our hurts are going to be completely restored in the hallelujahs. There's something deadly wrong in this world that we live in today. It's a sorrow that we see. You, you know, we, we don't like to admit this, but really, when you're running a fever, you ought to thank God for it. Because that fever tells you there's an infection somewhere else. 
If you didn't have that fever, you may come to the point that that infection would kill you before you ever realized you had an infection. But when you get an infection, a fever comes and you know immediately the groaning of creation. There's the groaning of Christians. Verse 23, not only they, what, the creatures, but ourselves also, which hath the first fruits of the Spirit. See, we even groan ourselves. Our body's not redeemed yet. Our spirit is redeemed, but our body's not yet redeemed. We're waiting for the promise of the resurrection. So we live in a body that has a curse of sin on it. That's why we get old. That's why we lose our hair. I could go on. We could talk about teeth. We could talk about ears. We, we could talk about all of those things. Our body's not yet redeemed. I want to tell you, if you think you can walk down this aisle and give your heart to Jesus and everything's going to be all honey and no bees, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're wrong. Those bees are going to be there. Those times of trouble are going to be there. One reason we have so much suffering in the world today, I'm talking about as Christians, is number one, this, we live in a creation that has a curse on it. This creation has a curse. What, those people down there in North Carolina, they, they didn't do anything wrong. Most of those people over there are good people. They love the Lord. But see, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We're all under the curse of creation. Not only do we live in a world that has a curse of sin on it, but we live with other sinners. Be careful who you sit by this morning. Uh, you remember the school shooting where the fire alarm went off and all the kids exited the building and then they were shot as they were exiting the building? Those kids didn't do anything wrong. They did what was right. A fire alarm went off. You're supposed to get out of the building. But you see, we have to live in a world where other people want to harm people. They make choices. So we live in a world that's got the curse of sin on it. We also live in a world with other sinners. But we live in bodies that have the curse of sin upon them also. Your body's not yet redeemed. You're a son, a daughter of Adam. You were born in a polluted gene pool. You've got pollution in your body. You're going to get sick. There's, I don't know when it's going to happen, but there's going to come a day when some doctor's going to thump on your chest and call, charge you $100 to tell you that you've got this. It's to be expected. I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'll tell you something. We live in a, in a, in a world that's cursed. We live in a body that's cursed. We live with other sinners. And then sometimes we still just choose to do wrong. We know what we ought to do, but we just flat outright choose to do wrong. Mm. There are a lot of mysteries in this world today. When you find somebody that's got all the answers, you better get away from him as far as you can because no one has all the answers today. Then there's groaning from the comforter. Verse uh, the 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And uh, uh, that's our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Now, what does that mean? Well, the Holy Spirit's here. He's the comforter. Have you ever had a time when you wanted to pray, but you didn't know what to pray? Your, your mouth was just shut. You, you said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, those groanings that you do there, the Holy Spirit intercepts it, and he prays for us. What, what, what a blessing. What a blessing. Maybe you've been hurt so bad you couldn't even pray. All you could do is just groan. So there's a guilt. There's a grace. There's groans. Creation, the Christian, thank God, the groaning of the comforter. Now we come to the last thing. I just want to major on it for a few moments. The resurrection. Remember, Paul's doing some figuring. Reckon is a bookkeeping term. He said, I've reckoned that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the grace we exhibit, the guilt we exhibit, the grace we enjoy there, the groans we endure, now it comes to the glory that we're expecting. There will be guilt, but there will be grace. There will be groanings, but there will be glory. I'm telling you, it's all right here in the Word of God. We've been prepared for glory for, by, uh, by the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Not just trying to be better people. People who are trying to be, uh, it's all good. You're wonderful. You need to be trying to be better people. But if you think you trying to be better people are going to get you into heaven, you're wrong. You're going to miss it. You're going to be destroyed. We've been prepared for glory. But watch this in verse 28. Not only are we prepared for glory, we're predestined for glory. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, God's Son, might be the firstborn among many brethren, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. Now, he puts all of that in past tense, like it's already done. See, some of you are so hung up, not y'all, you, you, excuse me, some folk in our convention are so hung up over predestination and foreordination and all of those things it has nothing to do with salvation it has nothing to do with it you want to know how your salvation comes I had a guy argue with me this week uh, this last week uh, I don't remember what week it is uh, but anyway he, he said uh, brother Charles I believe God's going to save everybody God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son I said, well, that'd be a marvelous thing, except you didn't read the rest of the verse. That whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish. It's a personal thing. Oh, no, it's a whole thing. That's what we call universalism. God's going to save everybody. Well, if God's going to save everybody, I wonder why Jesus had to come and die. I'm just thinking. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking. Predestined means it's settled. It's settled. You're, you're looking at a person here who has been glorified. You say, well, you don't look glorified. That's because you're looking through your eyes, and you're not looking through God's eyes. 
See, his ways are not our ways. You're seeing through your eyes. I want to tell you what's been decreed in heaven cannot be annulled by hell. It cannot be. I've been prepared for glory, the death, burial, and the resurrection. I'm predestined for glory, the death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to tell you, I must be preserved for glory. Verse 31 says, what shall we say to these things? Friend, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also, not with him also, freely give us all things? Hmm. Let's forget about spiritual. If God loved you enough to give his own son to die on a cross for you, do you think there's anything else God would hold back? I'm telling you, the Lord, he's given it for us. It's already been done. It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. In other words, what he's saying here is my lawyer's not going to condemn me. Christ is our lawyer. Now, he mentions several, seven enemies here, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, and all these things. He said we're more than conquerors, not just conquerors. We don't, uh, you, you know, a lot of people have this idea that, that, that this whole world's coming down to an end, and, and, and it's like the football game. And in the last three seconds, God's going to kick a field goal and pull it out. I got news for you. The score is already settled. The enemy has already been defeated. This is not a last-minute ditch effort. It's been going on since time began. He's saying here, no foe can conquer us and no fault can condemn us. Those are the enemies that, that, that he's lynching. Now, in Roman times, when a person would be uh, adjudicated guilty, a lot of times they'd put that uh, person in prison, and then they would nail on that prison door a list of the crimes, and they'd put under there the days, months, years that he's got to stay in prison to pay that debt. It was called a certificate of debt, and it was nailed to the prison door. When the man had paid all of his uh, time for the crime against the state, they would take that certificate of debt. The bailiff would go to the judge and say, here's John Doe, the prisoner. He's paid all of his time. And the judge would call, take that thing called a certificate of debt, and he would write across it, paid in full. In the Greek, it was one word, tetelestai. Now say with me. Because when Jesus hung upon that cross... He took our certificate of death and he wrote across it to tell us die. It means it's paid in full. <laughs> you can't work enough to get your salvation. You can't give enough. Now we're in a building program. You ought to give what you can. But I'm just telling you right up front, you can't give enough to be saved. You can't pray enough. You can't be educated enough. It's simply... Christ is already, he took our sin, my sin, your sin. In Colossians 3, the Bible says that the handwriting that was against us nailed it to his cross, and then when he bowed his head, he died and said, paid in full. Let me give you one closing illustration. We're through. 
there was a British parliamentarian. He was traveling from England to Scotland to give a speech. And his carriage got over off the road and got in some mud and got stuck. And this young Scottish farm boy saw his dilemma. He got his team of horses together. He came over to where the the British parliamentarian was and hooked up the team, pulled him out of the mud. The British parliamentarian said, uh, son, what what, what can I pay you? He said, oh, I'm not going to take anything. I'm glad to do it. Glad to do it. And the British parliamentarian said, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, well, I mean, I've been a farm boy all my life, but I'd love to be a doctor. And so he wouldn't take anything else. The British parliamentarian made it possible for that young farm boy to go to college and to go to medical school to be a doctor. That farm boy, 50 years later, a great wartime leader was stricken with a deadly infection. Well, he was in Morocco at a wartime conference, and his life was saved because this doctor administered a brand new drug called penicillin. It was invented and developed by Sir Alexander Fleming, who was the farm boy that got the carriage out of the mud. By the way, the parliamentarian that was stuck that day was uh, that he helped become a doctor was Lord Randolph Churchill. And the wartime hero 50 years later that he administered penicillin to was the son of Lord Randolph Churchill, Winston Churchill. Now, I just want to remind you one more time before we close. We know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. This scripture does not say that all things are going to be good to them. This scripture says that all things are going to work together for them. See, the real truth is, when you're happy, you got money in your pocket, you know, it's, it, it's just like the story with Abraham. We, we all think we're going to do like Abraham. Our wife's going to go down to J.C. Penney and buy us some new pajamas that ain't never been wore, and we're going to get a robe, and, and you know, we're going to lay on our deathbed, and all our kids are going to come in, and we're going to all just bless them, and we're going to have a glorious time, and we're going to slide off into eternity. Only problem with that is we do more funerals with people dressed in their street clothes than those dressed in their bed clothes. You don't know when that time is. You have no idea. But the truth is this. We grow when our back's up against the wall. We grow when it doesn't look like there's no other way out. Mm. Been singing that little chorus. All my hope is in Jesus. Mm. All my yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. I have been washed in his blood. Can you say that this morning? If you can't, 
Listen, I beg you this morning. I don't care who you are. You don't have to join this church. There are many other good churches all over this whole town. I'm not worried. These name tags are going to fall off on the way up or they're going to burn off on the way down. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in your precious soul. Because if you walk out of here without Christ, I'm telling you, you're not going to be condemned. You're condemned already. Today is the day of salvation. I'm asking you to come and let Jesus have control of your heart. Maybe you need a church home. There's not a better church this side of heaven than this church right here. You folk have literally made it that way, and I praise God. I know it's the Lord that's done it. But if you're looking for a church home, this would be a great one. Maybe you just need to come. We, guys, so desperately, we need to get back to the old times when people are lining these altars with prayer. We're worried about our young people today who are becoming socialist by the droves. And we're wondering what we're going to do. Well, it's not going to be anything we're going to do because we've already raised them. The only thing going to change them is the Holy Spirit of God. And that comes through prayer. You got family members that are not walking with God. You, your face ought to be at this altar every time we offer an altar call. Praying for it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Father, thank you again today for the joy to be in your house, to worship you, hear the testimonies, be blessed with the music, and hear the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, I pray this morning for those that right now need redemption. They need you, Jesus. They don't need what this world has to offer. They don't need another plan or another uh, program. What they need is a touch from the Holy Ghost of God. Would you fall fresh on this place today and touch them in this very moment? Would you move in people who know that they're saved and yet, Lord, their hearts are not where they ought to be? God, may this altar be filled with people. Lord, this is your place. This is your time. Have your sweet, precious way in every life that's in this auditorium today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?